Hey everyone, this is Dr. April Murdaugh with Woman to Woman Financial here with a very good friend of mine. Uh, her name is Cheryl Canzanella Lewis. And uh, today we're going to talk about a very sensitive topic, a topic that I believe a lot of families are going through and no one really discusses it. Um, I have had some experience in my family with addiction and today we're going to talk about addiction and particularly opioid abuse and the epidemic and what we financial advisors can do to help clients understand how to navigate that, uh, particularly from a financial perspective. But there are so many other things that we as advisors need to understand. And today I have with me an expert in the field. Um, Cheryl Canzanella Lewis now, um, after losing her husband to accidental overdose, Cheryl shares his journey through active addiction, uh, road to recovery, and his final battle loss to overdose. By exposing the horrific realities of the opioid ep epidemic, her mission is to raise awareness and educate on how the opioid epidemic is not only ripping families apart emotionally, but also financially by diminishing careers and draining financial assets. Uh, the purpose that as Cheryl says that she has in, in doing this um, is, I'll give you a little bit of backstory on their relationship. Um, she says, we crossed paths five years at five years old and became friends at 16 and fell in love at 27. Colin was the light of my life and my soulmate. And for years, he fought to overcome addiction that started with a prescription for pain. He desperately tried to break free, but the chains of addiction were far more powerful than either one of us could have ever imagined. Colin lost his battle Monday, August 14th, 2017. We both suffered and struggled in silence for so many years that I can no longer stay silent. She says, by sharing her story with the community, her peers in the financial services industry, businesses, pharmacists, health professionals, and more, her goal is to bring awareness to the realities families and businesses are facing, to educate about the financial burdens of the opioid epidemic, and to be a voice for those still battling to fight their way through. So Cheryl has not only just had experience as a, a partner, a wife of someone battling this, this serious addiction, but she is also in our industry. She has over 21 years of experience in the insurance and financial services industry. She works with financial professionals such as myself and many others to offer strategies through sales ideas, case design, and point of sale. She has a Bachelor of Science in Palm Beach at, from ba Palm Beach Atlantic University. Uh, she has several designations. She's a Chartered Life Underwriter from the American College, Chartered Special Needs Consultant, and Life Underwriter Training Council Fellow. In 2011, she was the Women in Financial Services Northeast Florida Founding President. In 2014, she won the NAFA Florida President's Award. In 2014, she's the WIFS National Member of the Year. And also 2014, Jacksonville Business Journal's Top 40 Under 40. 2016, NAFA Jacksonville Past President. 2018, NAFA Top Advisors Under 40. 
2019 NAFA uh, National Young Advisor Team Leader of the Year. In 2019 and 2021, she's the president of her firm's advisory council. Um, as a native Floridian, she enjoys spending time with family, the beach, flag football, CrossFit, and volunteering. She can be often heard cheering and possibly weeping, she says, for her beloved Miami Dolphins and Jacksonville Jaguars. So welcome, Cheryl, today to our podcast, where it's sensitive, but I'm so glad that you're here to share your story with us, to be able to help those out there who are battling this, those of us who may come in contact with people dealing with this, and myself. So welcome today. Thank you. Thank you, April. Thank you for having me. No problem. So today, I just, I kind of, I gave the backstory a little bit of you and, and what you experienced. And I know I remember meeting you and you sharing this with me. Um, and I have, I, I mentioned, I've had some experience, uh, family that suffered with addiction and who lost their battle as well. And so tell me a little bit about that. Tell me about, I guess, some of the feels that you felt, um, maybe some of the struggles. Um, just, just talk to us about how it all started, how you became aware of it, and how you felt about things. Well, I'm sure you can understand when you're going through it, it's something that um, you don't want anyone to know, to know about. You, you find it pretty shameful. You don't, you have a fear of people finding out. I know, and I can speak for myself when I say, I thought we were going to fix it. So mm -hmm. I just thought we're just going to get better. We're going to fix it on our own and nobody has to know. But the main thing is when, when, you know, I, I don't know really when it started, uh, but it didn't just happen overnight. It took a while. It progressed a long time. And I think I, shoved, I kind of brushed off any kind of um, warning signs and I pushed aside anything that would give me red flags. I, I simply was in denial myself in the very beginning. And then I think I, um, and then I, I kept it inside. So it's a, it's something that um, many people are going through and very few want to talk about it because you feel so very alone and that nobody understands but the reality is addiction is nothing new um and uh opioids bring it to life i think a lot more lately um you know with millions of americans that use prescription opioids um then there's just simply managing pain every day and you have hundreds of people dying every single day from opioids and last year was the highest rate of fatal overdose in history of, mm. of uh, overdose. And so obviously there, there is a need for us to talk about it more because there's so many that are silent and struggling through it and, and are shamed or scared to even speak up. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about the shame. I think particularly because you're in the industry and um, I know that that had to be tough for you as well, but why do you think there's so much shame around having these conversations and being transparent about this. Well, I can say personally, I'm like yourself, I'm working with people to help them with their financial futures. And speaking of going through something like this or sharing going through something like this doesn't really, you know, you feel like you don't bring credibility to the table. 
Um, you, you know, we both were struggling financially. I was making the most money I've ever made in my life, um, running a business and it was all going out the door and it was going out the door for a number of different reasons, which we can get into, but the being able to share this with others, you know, while you're trying to help them with their financial futures just didn't seem, and, and of course we were going to fix it. So this was not going to be something that was ongoing and it just ended up progressing longer and longer and longer. And you find yourself, you know, when we meet and you have, you exchange your pleasantries, you know, tell me about your family. What do you like to do in your spare time? Well, you know, I, it wasn't long before I was just trying to brush over that so quickly because you don't want any lies to start, you know, little, little secrets, they become lies because, you know, oh yeah, he's fine. Well, no, he's not fine. Um, you know, and then you just don't talk about it um, because it becomes painful and you don't want to lie. You don't want to give someone a lie. So you just don't talk about it. Yeah. 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 And, and I get it. I know, you know, myself being in this, in this situation, I, I tell people all the time, listen, this is the no judgment zone, but how many advisors have those levels of conversation to make people feel comfortable enough to be able to share. And so I really want to get into not, I, I, we're going to talk about what they need to do to, to minimize, right. The, the potential of people getting addicted to this, which I'm sure you, you know, and you're going to share with us, but what can we as advisors do to create the safe space or what you think someone could have done for you to create a safe space for you to share, um, the, the, the pain that you were dealing with and Colin was dealing with. You know, I think you said it very eloquently. This is a no judgment zone. And that's what I try to share very similar with, with advisors is they have, you, your clients need to know that you're a real person too. And as we start to share, you realize that you're not the only one. And, and, and I do ask individuals like, like, you know, who has the perfect family? I'm still waiting for someone to tell me that they have the perfect family. The reality is we don't, no one does. And so when you can get real and share and be vulnerable yourself, your clients are more likely to be vulnerable to you as well. But I think the biggest thing outside of that, because as advisors, we are, we are typically sharing stories. You know, we have to be very good at storytelling. I think we have to be very good at communication. And this is for all scenarios in life, not just, you know, it could be grief, it could be divorce, it could be death, it could be a number of different things, losing your job. So it's not just talking and sharing with your clients that they can share with you, but if your clients are in denial themselves, they may not even recognize it that they need, there's a need to share with you. So it's uncovering that why, why would clients wanna to talk to you as an advisor? Well, as an advisor, it's not just about saving assets and it's not just about um, trying to save the money, but it could be your clients need liquidity. They need access to money because of treatment, because of emergencies. And so clients, if they don't come to you and tell you this, they might pull money out of an IRA when it, they, they would be penalized. Um, they might be pulling money out of places where they might be taxed, you know, paying fees. So you could maybe direct, direct them. You may, may not be able to stop them on taking out their money, especially when they're trying to save a loved one, but you may be able to direct them to the most um, efficient way to access their money. And then of course, if you've got individuals with a son or daughter going through this and 
if they don't have the right language set up in their trust, it's not about saving the assets. It's about saving a life. Because if that money transfers into the hands of someone going through substance use disorder, who knows what they're going to do with that money. And they're certainly not going to listen to an advisor at that time when they have their hands and there's, we don't have language set up and, uh, you know, to, to, to restrict access or to limit access. Then you do a good job with helping us advisors understand how to implement that language in, in the work that we get to do. I don't want you to give away what you do because those of you out there who may be in the industry need this help. So I would encourage you, if you're listening to this and you're an advisor, reach out to Cheryl and at the end, we'll share her information. And so you can learn how to implement and have these tough conversations with your clients to, to kind of uncover some of the things that they may be dealing with. But Cheryl, would you give us an example of what should someone say? What could we say to someone to to ease the pain, but help them to get the access that they need and help them know that we understand and we, we're a supportive, caring advisor. What would you, what, what should we do? Some examples, if um, you don't know how to bring it up and it may be uncomfortable to say, you know, but that you see something wrong, you know, maybe you see too many withdrawals out of an account, you see their debt racking up and, and it may be uncomfortable for you to say, hey, I think, you know, there might be an addiction in the family. That may be a little bit too much. So you might say, hey, I, I see some withdrawals coming out of the account, they're concerning. And this could be open up to other issues as well, not just addiction, but you would ask, that's concerning me, I would love to talk about it, find out what any issues that may be going on. Uh, but you also might wanna share that, hey, by the way, when you, we're doing our annual review, you know, I, I just want to let you know, I've been helping a lot of clients lately that are going through this opioid epidemic. Have you seen what's going on in the news? Have you seen the Netflix um, series lately? I mean, this is happening right here on Main Street. This is happening in our hometown. And, um, you know, I am helping some of my clients with this right now and helping them navigate through this financially. Um, and you can share, you know, no names, of course, but confidentially, you can share that, hey, I'm, I'm helping them navigate through their health insurance plan to see if if they can, you know, if there's health insurance coverage. I'm helping them navigate through and get connected with the right individuals that are local treatment facilities that may be reputable. Um, I'm helping them navigate through this or that. And so you can share what you may be doing with other clients as an example to make them feel more comfortable and the reasons why. I think it's important for advisors and us to talk, but it's important for our clients to be aware of how important it is to talk to, to us as advisors, because the financial impact could be devastating. Um, and especially to your current living situation and your future legacy, um, your children's legacy, your children's plan, retirement plans and, and uh, savings and investments, um, it, could, it could impact your, your entire uh, portfolio. So from what I'm hearing, and, and, and you bring up a good point, we should, we should always have this as part of our quote unquote service offering. Like we should um, implement this in our conversations with people. So it really, it seems like it, it, it is our responsibility as an advisor to some extent to let them know that, hey, these are the things that we do. These are the people that we help and and then shut up and listen and see if it triggers something in someone 
the, at least they'll know that they're safe with you and they can share and they know that, okay, they're an expert. I will say, I find a lot of that with women in divorce. You know, um, once I share my story of, you know, my story, <laughs> don't need to go into it now. They're like, oh, I get it. So mm. by the way, I'm filing for the, you know, and it starts to come out. So that is a very important point, you know, cause I too was struggling with how, like, how do I ask that question? I have a client that has completely drained her accounts in the last year and a half that we've had them whole complete retirement. And I saw it happening and I'm calling and I'm checking, but I like the way you, you, you told us that. So that's a good point. So tell me like what, when we talk about the whole prescription and the pain, obviously people are dealing with pain, physical pain. It starts out that way. And then they are prescribed these prescription drugs. Tell me, what do you think the industry needs to do to stop some of the abuse that's going on? What, what would you suggest? To stop, I mean, more education. Um, okay. I, I feel like the more we talk about this and the more we educate, I have people that come up to me after I've presented or have reached out to me after a podcast such as this and have told me, look, I, I was going in for surgery and because I heard your podcast or your message, I told them, no, I did not want these pain pills, or I was more aware of how I was taking them. Um, the stories just keep coming. I mean, just, these are everyday people. These are your neighbors. These are your, your, your coworkers, your friends, and they will, you know, they'll, they'll be prescribed something for something as little as uh, a, a back injury, which could be major. You're mm -hmm. you legitimately be in pain. But what I find interesting is the amount of prescriptions that were being prescribed and the amount of people that were, that reported that their pain, their, the amount of people reporting pain also was increasing as the amount of prescriptions were being prescribed in mm. 2018 timeframe, a couple years ago. And um, why would their pain continue to go up if we're getting more, it, the, the, it's masking something, but it's not fixing the problem many oftentimes. Right. So, I mean, I think there's, there's other ways that we could look into it, but we're not doctors. Obviously we go to seek medical advice from doctors. Um, but we have to be aware to ask the right questions and see what our alternatives are and what options do we have? Um, and the more educated we could be, the more we speak out about this, um, the more we will be able to, to make those decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Education is the, is key. You know, this week I'll be going to speak to the national medical association. I'll be at their their conference and just listening to you thinking about, oh my gosh, you know, we need to figure out how to get you in front of the practitioners, the folks that are prescribing the medications. I I'm sure you, you saw the Netflix special and you saw, I mean, I watched that in a weekend and all I thought about was you and all I did was just cry. But it's something that you said just now was the prescriptions are going up but so is the need. People are still in this much pain. So obviously they're, the, the prescriptions are not doing what they needed to do. And in the special, it was talking about how the industry was prescribing the drugs and of course, increasing the dosages, which increases the dependency 
on the drugs. And so that is herein lies the problem, right? And so um, we, you know, we, it, it's just so sad, but tell us when you said you did mention, you know, the money, the, the financial aspect, the things, the money going out the door and, uh, you know, what, what do you think? Should you have done anything different? Could people do anything different t- when they have someone dealing with this? Well, you know, I, again, I, I held it all in, so I did not seek um, advice or help, which I should have. But, you know, I ultimately enabled him. I enabled him by still providing him, you know, with the roof over his head, clothes on his back, you know, food in his stomach. I mean, he was comfortable enough to continue living the path that he was on. And um, from a financial perspective, you don't cons- you don't realize how much things start to add up. You know, not only was there theft and stealing and, you know, countless trips to the pawn shop to recover heirlooms and items that are irreplaceable, um, but you've got expenses for things that weren't keeping up with, like, you know, if there was a a car accident or registration for a vehicle you didn't register, you got fines and things that, you know, you, you don't consider when you're putting together your budget. You're also not considering how much, you know, you come home and you want to order in from, you know, DoorDash or, you know, Uber Eats. That, I mean, that stuff adds up because you are not going, you're not cooking dinner. You know, you're not sitting down for dinner. You're not cooking meals. You don't have the time or the mental capacity. So you're spending, you know, your budget is out of the water for, for, for spending, for eating. Then you've got help. You know, these treatment facilities cost, you know, $30,000, $40,000, and that's for 30 days. And if you don't have insurance, you're paying out of pocket. They might work with you, but I personally, we spent $20,000 and he didn't even stay in there for 30 days. Mm. So you can see this adds up um, over time and treatment. Most people come in, go into treatment and they go right back into treatment because it takes a lot longer than 30 days. And when you talk about, you know, middle America, which is, you know, our clients that we serve, you know, most of us are not working with the 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 ultra you know famous and the 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 rich um, the the, uh, um, the high net worth individuals and and even if we are they they have the means to can to focus on getting help they don't have to worry about keeping food on the table and keeping the lights on right so they're the ones focusing on this and they could spend they have an unlimited budget for that but even they are losing this battle they're not I mean you you I talk about uh, you know, Prince and Tom Petty, both of them died from uh, fentanyl overdose or overdose involving opioids. Um, and in our, our middle America, they're just trying to keep dinner on the table. I mean, so people that are actively going through addiction may actually be taking the pills, not really realizing how quickly they're, you know, going through this and having to work every day. Yeah. How quickly that can become an addiction. Yeah, that's tough. That, that is, yeah. And we see it more and more. It is just more prevalent what, you know, middle America is going through. And we don't even have, like you said, the financial resources that those that have significant incomes like NBA stars and musicians and that sort of thing. So as, a, as a, looking back, right, as 
and advising yourself and then now putting yourself in the role of a client and having an advisor. So if you had someone like me working with you, um, even before, what, what would you want? Like, what would you, what do you think? I know you've given me the, the language and the conversation, but what would you have liked them to do for you? So I, I can tell you personally, um, you know, I'm not in health insurance, but, um, you know, I think if we were to look at our health insurance, we can figure things out and we can go through what benefits that we have available. Um, I, I was just in a fog. I was in a cloud. And if I had talked to someone and said, I need help, could we have navigated through benefits together? Uh, could we have navigated through the availability of what's available uh, through government? Um, the government does provide free benefits. Even the affluent have access to these governmental benefits that are out there. And the affluent might not always have um, insurance on their children. Their children might be grown adults and they don't have a job and they're going through this. So they do need to help to access instead of pulling money out of their own accounts to help their child. Um, so, and, and, you know, I've been in the financial industry, you know, I've going on 24 years and, um, I own everything I sell because I believe in it. Mm -hmm. And when my husband passed away, he passed away with no life insurance. Hmm. Wow. And so that's, you know, and I feel there, I feel like I, I was okay. Uh, but you know, there are families that, you know, can't get, get by because one spouse that they, they lost their father or their mother, and it can devastate the entire family. If you don't have proper foundation of life insurance set up, if I had talked to a financial advisor, could they have helped me say, Cheryl, think about it. Maybe you should look at guaranteed insurance, guaranteed mm. issue, or maybe you should look at, you know, um, you know, a short-term policy or, or something, but right. I didn't. Um, mm -hmm. I, cause I was going to fix it and we were going to, we were going to fix all of this and then we were going to work on it. And as you know, being an advisor, when you're talking with your clients, we plan for the unknown. Yeah. That's the work that we do. And so we have to count this into the unknown that we don't know what's going to happen and have those tough conversations. That is so important and, and not ignoring, as you mentioned, the red flags, you know, as an advisor seeing our clients go through that, you know, something you said too, in the, it was that, you know, you would have sought help. Like what, what kind of help do you need? Because I think everything that we do as, you know, parents or as loved ones, spouses, right. We want to help our spouse and everything we do until death do us part. And you were in it that way. Right. I mean, I'm a parent and I've been married before, and it's all about my children. It's all about my husband. But you said something so key. It's like you needed to seek help. So tell me, even if you couldn't, you you know, you work with someone like myself, and you're like, ah, I'm not, I, I'm, we're not there right now. We talk numbers all the time. We don't really get down into the nitty gritty. What other kind of help is out there, or would be out there, or, or help you should have, you feel like you should have sought for yourself? Yeah, there's um there are programs out there available that um I should have been more involved with things like Naranon, 
where you can actually speak about this in amenity, like you don't have to share who you are. Um, and, and, but they're with other people that get it. Um, mm -hmm. so, um, you've got Alan on, it's very similar to that. Um, it's it. So you, you can speak with people who get it. Right. Um, I think that's important is getting help for yourself. I mean, even if that means looking into your own benefits to see what's available or just picking up the phone and calling some of the resources that are out there. Um, I, I joined lots of Facebook private groups where um, I can speak freely to strangers that get it, other, mm -hmm. other spouses that have lost a loved one. Um, I see a lot of parents on there crying out for help. Um, you know, but being able to talk about it with someone, I mean, I was just as addicted as he was in a sense. I mean, I was, I was addicted to his addiction. Mm. Um, you know, I was, I was a crazy person. I was, I was not sane at times. I, I, you know, uh, I, I did not know how to control my emotions. Um, so I can't, you know, I can't imagine what he was going through when he has no control over a lot of what his body is doing physically and mentally. And here I am, I can't even control it. And I don't, I'm not going through, uh, you know, mm. severe drugs in my system. So yeah. like when people are like, oh, they just go get help. Well, it's not that simple. Your body is physically addicted to it. And, and even when you're, it's physically gone out of your system, it's a mental issue. Your, your brain is all rewired. So um, getting help for you is important as an, as a, as a caregiver to someone going through substance use disorder is just as important. It really is. And you're right. I think, you know, I, I've struggled. It, this is so minor. I mean, not, not to even compare it with addiction to a, a substance like that, but um, I've been trying to get off popcorn, pot buttered popcorn. <laughs> every week right and I, I promise you i do good on friday and saturday my mind is talking to me like you really need this fix and i know that seems very it is very minor in comparison to something like that i, I don't even know i don't pretend to know what addiction feels like on that level where it's self-destructive and you know but it could be i mean I, popcorn and diabetes we won't even go there but my point is, is that you, you, you explained it so good. You know, we don't know you're out of control. You out of, you're out of your body. You're out of your mind. Your body is controlling you. Um, and it's, if it's tough to lose weight, just think about, or tough to pull back from popcorn. I can't even imagine what someone is going through. And so you said enabling him and, and, and so that's just, that's hard, Cheryl. That's hard to, to back away from your loved one like that, not to be in control. So what, what do you think you did to it? Cause I, I get it. I hear it, but my heart bleeds because what would you do? What would you do differently? I mean, enabling it. Tell me about that. I guess everyone's story is so different. Um, you know, uh, the enabling is giving him the ability to continue comfortably, um, not creating my boundaries, not sticking to my boundaries. I, if I could have done something different and I'm not saying this is for everyone, but I would have left him and 
given him the ability to what they say hit rock bottom now that's not right for everyone because um sometimes that doesn't work out the way you think it's going to work out but also i want people to understand by enabling and keeping them under your roof and and giving them the ability to continue doing what they're doing may not save them either um i think the perfect the thing is that it's not my fault it's not your fault if you're going through this with someone and a loved one they have to make that decision. So could I have done something different? I say I would have, I would have left, I would have kicked him out. Um, you know, of course, you know, you try, but I mean, I wasn't really serious about it um, because I didn't build those boundaries, but it's important to um, just know that whatever happens, you can't control it. And that's the biggest thing. You're, you know, you can't fix it and you can't control it. Um, and most importantly, you didn't cause it. So, but you you it's hard to f- know that when you're going through the midst of it you know the through going through it at the time and they didn't either i mean they didn't ask for this you know he had a back injury <laughs> he was given pain medication it didn't work so you know to some extent he wasn't you know to blame for this situation i i i guess i want to circle back to the industry and how freely they give away pain medication to people who are vulnerable, who have these issues. And so I, you know, I, for instance, I had surgery about six, seven years ago, and I was on a week on oxycodone. And I thought about, you know, being addicted. I was so conscientious of it, but the pain would not go away. And so I kept taking it. I kept sleeping for a straight week. I slept and I called in and said it wasn't working and they called in more pain medication. So, you know, it's, it's an industry that's really gone wrong, bad for those who just innocent people just trying to get help with pain. What, what do you say to the industry? What, I mean, I know you, talked about how you you want we want to educate and i know that your program does that for those us you know advisors but do you do anything to educate the industry the doctors the like what do we need to be doing it's regular people even to support this well you know i you know i have spoken to doctors and pharmacists before but and, and they're very very aware of it um you know the the amount of prescriptions has actually decreased um over the years um but the floodgates have already been open if that makes any sense right so so what happened is as they started to tighten up and restrict and they started this years ago um in 2010 2011 um, they started to kind of really pull back and change the makeup of the pills so even though they were prescribing more um 2000 and you know 17 2000 you know since then prescriptions number of prescribed opioid painkillers have gone down but what happened is they um people that were needed access to it couldn't get access to it as easily anymore so mm-hmm. what was happening is they were going to the streets to find the what the more readily available heroin which is also an opioid mm-hmm. an opioid um you know is um is also a, a painkiller and it, a legally prescribed or illicit um, prescription painkiller. And it is also illegal heroin. They are both opioids. 
So heroin happens to be more readily available, cheaper alternative than buying the pills out on the streets. So the unintended consequences of them pulling back is that it flooded people to the streets. Mm -hmm. And that's where fentanyl comes in. Fentanyl has been, um, is, you know, the, the, well, let me go back. The heroin and the the prescription painkillers are what's called opiates. Um, uh, Fentanyl is a pure opioid, which means that there's no opium involved in it. There's no um, chemical mixture. It's, it's all chemicals. Um, Nothing would naturally with opium, natural, natural opium combined with it. Um, So fentanyl is deadly. Only a couple grains, uh, grams is enough to kill you, which is basically a couple of grains of salt. If you look at what a couple of grains of salt looks like, that's enough to kill you. Um, And there's even more potent drugs now beyond fentanyl. But that's really what happened is it flooded people to the streets. Now you can't even take a pill. Uh, uh, You think you're going to take some headache medicine from somebody and you ask it for the, you don't know what's in that pain that prescription, uh, or sorry, the -the over-the-counter drug that you might be taking for a headache. You don't know what drugs have been put into other drugs and mixed with other things. You have to be very careful of what you're ingesting and and where it's coming from. Wow. That is so, now that makes you nervous, but it is definitely so true. Wow. 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 So the education that you do is extremely important. Tell us a, a little bit more about what you do, how you do it, who you speak to, and what your goals are. We stated your purpose a little bit earlier, but but share with us whatever you want to share with us on this this battle that you're on here. Well, I thought the first place to go when I was uh, I wanted to speak up for the first time was my peers in the financial industry. And what I realized is um, I, I started this journey just wanting to share that Colin, you know, who he was. Um, as a person, not how he left us. And I really wanted people to see who, um, that he was a good person. And, um, and what I started to realize is, although I had people connect with me to say, I get it, here's what's going on in my family, most of my industry really wasn't aware of how, um, how this really hits home and how this hits home with their clients. So I felt I needed to be a voice to educate financial professionals And um, of course it's morphed into a couple of different directions since then, but the main goal is to help advisors understand what the red flags are, how to identify this, how to communicate about it with their clients, how to provide local resources and what kind, and and, and then what strategies do they wanna implement with their clients based on this? I think some of the red flags when we talk about from the very, when we first started talking and talking about that increased debt or changes in spending habit, those are the obvious things that advisors are very well aware of that could indicate things like senior financial fraud or um, uh, exploitation um, or other, you know, gambling or other issues that might be going on within the family, missing appointments, distractions. Again, these are all things that we could see. Um, But there's some red flags that you may not be familiar with, like reading between the lines, right? Read read between the conversations. What clients have two kids and now only really talk about one child? They kind Mm -hmm. of brush over the other, right? Mm -hmm. It could be a number of reasons why they do that, but oftentimes it could be because they're struggling with things like addiction. How many of your clients are grandparents that are now raising their grandchildren? 
-hmm. Again, there could be a couple of different reasons why, but oftentimes they're doing it because their child either passed away or has run off or is going through addiction or is in treatment. Um, and so from a financial standpoint, if they're raising new kids, I mean, that might put a, a little bit of a change in your financial plan for retirement income planning. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, and we call that grandparent, um, uh, grand families. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a couple of things that to look at between um, the obvious red flags. That's, that is cool. That is good to mention because yes, I think we do think of things very black and white sometimes in our world and we don't take the time to read between the lines. You know, all of a sudden you're raising kids that grandkids and they can't travel anymore. And all of a sudden, you know, they're not talking about their eldest child. Uh, so that is very important. And local resources, you talked about us knowing what those are and how you you help us understand those local resources to be able to support our clients and I guess ourselves and, and you support us as advisors. Is that correct in terms of what you do? Yeah. I mean, if you think about it as advisors, we build strategic alliances with CPAs, attorneys, they're experts in their fields. Why wouldn't we have connections with our local um, therapists, um, people that are maybe local treatment centers, have an idea of um, some of the treatment facilities that are out there that could be someone you could refer to, or they could be a resource. You know, you're not the expert, obviously, in any of this. And it's important to know that, you know, you, it's okay to refer out and to get them connected with the experts that are in that area. That's so true. I can't tell you the number of women I've referred to therapists and therapists have referred to me because they may be dealing with things related to finances or they may be dealing, come in my office, dealing with things that I am not equipped to support them in on an emotional or mental level. And I refer them out. So you're right. Developing alliances beyond what we think is normal is a great way for us as advisors to support our clients. I mean, if we want them to trust us with all of their resources, their financial resources in particular, then they should also be able to trust us with these other life things that can impact those financial resources. So that is great. So talk to us. Now, I know you've been doing some great things. I've seen you on LinkedIn and uh, I think you developed a course and you made some uh, strategic alliances with a state, a different state. So tell us about how this is going for you and what you're doing um, with this message and how, how, how is it growing all over the world, all over the country, nationwide now? Well, like many states, um, Ohio, the state of Ohio has been pretty hit pretty hard with um, overdose deaths and substance use disorder and addiction. And um, the securities commissioner there, Andrea Seit, um, with the backing of, of uh, Governor DeWine, have put a lot of effort into helping advisors with those resources. So rather than you having to build those alliances, like you mentioned, um, or like I mentioned earlier, you, you have a resource on a site that you can access to help them facilitate, um, you know, things like going through insurance or finding a local uh, therapist or uh, treatment or recovery center. So they've put a lot of effort into this um, for dedicated to financial advisors and their clients. 
And we partnered with them um, because no other state is doing anything like at this at this level. Um, and we partnered with them to offer an educational course. So if you go to uh, recoverywithinreach.ohio.gov, and I'll send that link to you so you can Please share later. Mm-hmm. Um, you can uh, take uh, their CE course that we created, and you can get two um, CFP credits right now. And my goal is to take that course and a, a similar course and and make that available through other states, and eventually work with companies to provide this as educational training to their employees. I, man, I think that is amazing. That is wonderful. I mean, I'm so excited for that, for you and what you're doing. And yeah, we need that in Florida. But what would even be more cool, I think, is as part of the insurance licensing course, maybe, or some of the CEUs for insurance licensing, because you mentioned earlier that you didn't have insurance, right? And and nowadays, insurance has evolved in such a way that it's not just death insurance, but it could be used for some other things that you can access the money while you are alive. And having that maybe as a CEU course in the whole insurance renewal thing would also be cool. So we need you to keep doing that work and bring that here to Florida because that's where we're, we're at. And I don't know what the numbers look like in Florida, but I, I do know personally if I, I've experienced it all over. I'm, I'm from New York and it's really tough out there. So thank you, Cheryl. That That is amazing. And what else do you have going on? Tell us about, are you speaking anywhere and what what's going on now? What else? Um, the next event is going to be for the Society of Financial Professionals and uh, they've got an annual cruise uh, next connection. So we'll be on that in February of next year. Um, and, um, a couple of other speaking engagements here and there, but, um, I, I am open to, um, speaking more, um, to these companies like the bigger broker dealers and the, um, insurance companies as well. So that's going to be my focus, um, in addition to working with the States. So it's a lot of exciting things coming up and, and uh, a lot of um, much needed information to come out. Yeah, yeah. You know, one of the things I've heard when I started my business um, was your pain can become your purpose. And, you know, my why is built out of some financial pain. <laughs> and, you know, and, and, I, and I love the work that I do, but it is born out of the pain. And so thank you so much for being so transparent about your pain and your experience there, but not just internalizing it and saying, okay, I know next time if this will happen or I know the signs and I can, you know, have the discernment I need to navigate the rest of my life and other relationships. But by taking that pain and sharing it with others to help us advisors understand that it's more to the work that we do. Um, we, we advise the whole person, not just the money. And Mm -hmm. we do have, I believe a responsibility to get in our client's business. I mean, I tell my clients all the time, you know, uh, when we meet, it's a financial GYN checkup, 
you know, I'm going in. We got to know. Um, it's no judgment, you know, I don't care. It won't go anywhere. It's, you know, I try to let them know that, but that's not enough. Even still, Cheryl, there's still things that we need to do. And thank you so much for just slapping us around and letting us know that we need to really, really get it together and serve our clients in, in more deeper ways and deeper ways. So, I'm glad to know you. I'm sorry about what has happened to you, but I'm so glad that um, you share your story. I'm glad that you're my friend. I can call you friend and and you are helping me learn as well. So I want to kind of close out on a little more of a positive note. But before I do that, I, anything else you want to share with us? Anything that you have going on? any nuggets that you had that I didn't, any questions or anything that I had, didn't ask you, you want to share with the audience. You, I'll open it up to you now. I think the the biggest thing is my website. Um, it's under construction, but CherylCanzanella.com. And um, I'm happy to speak at one of your events and educate your uh, clients, um, your employees. We, I am open to doing webinars. That's another great way to provide a resource that says you understand, but you're not actually physically saying, hey, um, you know, I work with clients going through this, but this is a way to share with your clients that you do. Um, so open to hosting webinars. And um, yeah, that's it. And thank you for being vulnerable to share your story. Um, I know we've talked about this several times in the past and, um, you know, there's nothing more than being real with another person and showing that. Um, you know, we are real people and we really do care and have empathy and, um, and want to help. Yeah. And we go through stuff. I mean, like my financial life just wasn't pretty. And, um, we're regular people who want to go out and help regular people recognize the signs and help them to the next season of our life, their lives. So, yeah, that's what we are. So I'm going to make, yeah, I don't know anyone else that could bring their pain to a purpose like you do. And you Thank certainly you. do. You make yourself vulnerable and you share, and you are very empathetic to your clients and your friends or, and everyone around you because, um, yeah, like you said, we're not perfect and you've certainly gone through your trials and your grief and, um, being able to share that with others is help helping so many people. So thank you. Thanks. I appreciate that. But, um, yeah, so what I want, what I'm going to do is Cheryl's going to send us the link for the Ohio course. And, um, I'm going to share her website and information. Everything's going to be in the show notes. And those of you out there who are in this industry, listening to this, I encourage you to connect with her. I think she will help your practice grow to another level. It will deepen the relationships with your clients. You know, I think the depth of the relationship determines the, the, how can I say not the distance, but the time that you have them as a client, right? I mean, it's harder to lose somebody that's so invested in you and see that you're so invested in them, not just monetarily, but that you really give a care. And so I think Cheryl and the work, I know that Cheryl and the work that she's doing will help us to be better advisors to those that we are supposed to support and serve. So I'm going to put all her information in the show notes. I'm going to put everything in there, contact her, and if you can't get her, which will be impossible, you should be able to get her. You can definitely reach out to me and I will make the introduction for sure. So on a lighter note, I always ask these three questions and, and I was a little bit late sharing this with Cheryl. So we're going to be patient. We're going to 
not judge her because I I asked her the questions actually before we got on this podcast, you guys. So forgive us. But um, I am a big reader. I love reading. I love learning. Professional development uh, is all is what I'm always about. And so knowing what she's gone through and, and just her life now, she has a beautiful baby boy. Um, she has gotten remarried. Uh, she is just living the life of, of her dreams. And she's still able to go out and spread, spread the message of you know, her, the love, her first love, Colin, and her initial love and, and husband. But today I want her to tell us about maybe a favorite book, a book that she likes that's, I say favorite book of all time. Maybe it's just the favorite book of 2023 or this month, whatever you're reading or what, what's got your fancy. Well, I have a ton of financial and industry books that are always on the list, but um, my, one of my favorite books is, um, a land remembered by, um, Patrick Smith. And, um, it is about settlers coming here to Florida centuries ago, and it takes you through their lives, uh, over time through the wars, through settling and expanding and, um, all the way up to recent times with, of the concrete jungles in Miami and the mm. connections between the the settlers and the American Indians, and um, and it's all based in in Florida, so you can see a lot of the um, well known areas in in Florida, from Jacksonville to Palm Beach to uh, the railroad and Henry Flagler, and um, you just see a lot of progression over time. And what that book, when I think of that book, and there's a series of books that follow it too, um, when I think of that book. It is, um, it brings a thought or it, it makes me think about how quick, how quick time goes by and our legacies. What is your legacy? Because, um, you know, when you go from the guy that's the, you know, managing and ha owns all the property down in Miami and, you know, living the life, the high rise life and everything, and all the way back to the settlers and what that progression of their history looked like, it's a blink of an eye. Yeah. And uh, so it just makes me, uh, you know, think about how uh, how how life um, life turns out and how quickly things and how much things change because it goes through death and marriage and babies and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So a land remembered. Awesome. Um, awesome. Yeah. That sounds cool. OK, I'm going to make a note. I'm, I'm going to read that. I'm going to check it out. And let's say, do you have like a favorite song that you like to kind of get you going? You know, <laughs> I'm a so music I am, I am, I'm never good with like remembering the song names and stuff. I just like, if the song comes on, I'm happy. So I just thought happy by, you know, Pharrell Williams is like oh. always an easy one. Right. So, yeah, and yeah. I was just playing that the other day with my son. So, uh, you know, but I, I have so many of those, I don't know, songs that come up. I have no idea, but that was the well, one that popped up in my head. Well, that's a good, I think that's a good song. Just me knowing you and knowing this whole evolution and new season. I think that's a, a appropriate song for the season of life you're in now. Right. And, yep. and I think that is fitting and that's so deserving of you. You need that happy and you're, you're walking in that. So I'm excited for you. Um, any quote that, that you kind of try to live by or one that you just resonate with you a lot? Um, I, I guess if you go on my Instagram, I mean, I have a ton of just quotes. I'm always doing positive quotes. So there's so many that run through my head. 
Um, I, I, I can't pick just one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I mean, something as simple as if it's meant to be, it's meant to be, or if it's meant to be, it will be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I can't think of one offhand. I don't use them ex- often. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do try to, um, uh, I guess go through them in my, I don't know. I, I, there's so many positive quotes that I, I, I put out there, but I can't think of one mm-hmm. on the top of my head right now. No, what's so meant to be, be will be is good. What I like that one. I think that is so true. It's apropos. If it's supposed to be, it'll happen. All right. So, well, I know that your pain, you know, it may sound real crazy, but you know, we needed that. We needed you to experience that so that you could share it with the world, help other people go through their healing process, help your professionals and your peers understand one, what you went through and two, how we can help people like yourself. So, um, I believe that was meant to be. And now this new season of happy for you is uh deserved and i'm excited about it so i thank you today for sharing your story i thank you for sharing your time um i know how valuable it is and um yeah thanks for being here and i look forward to seeing more of what you're going to do and how you're going to change the whole landscape of florida when it comes to this thing so I'm, I'm really excited to be a part of it and i think we need to schedule a webinar so we'll talk after about scheduling a webinar so that my clients, I'll invite my clients and those of you out there, if you want to connect with Cheryl to do a webinar for her to educate them on the red flags, things they can see, resources, however she does it. But I think just 40 minutes of her time helping you to understand is really what we need to get out there in our world and our community. So thanks again, Cheryl. And, uh, I look forward to connecting with you soon on that webinar. You're welcome. Have a good one.